world seems to have healed itself just a little bit more tonight. Terrence Mann delivers Chick-fil-A to all the Jazz fans. <laughs> he misses two free throws in the fourth quarter. And uh, I can't say that most Jazz fans aren't happy about that after he destroyed us uh, in that series with the Clippers and uh, had probably one of the best games of his career, I would guess. I don't know. I don't really follow Terrence Mann, but he destroyed us. Uh, I've got a few speakers here. I had Utah as first, um, then Kevin, then JC's Drips. So hang tight. I, I approved all of you guys. Um, honestly, the first half was, man, it, it felt like a college game. Uh, it was kind of boring to watch. Just not a lot of excitement was happening. And uh, Clarkson seems to be a showman, knows how to get the crowd um, up off their feet and uh, into the game a little bit more. You had that alley-oop to Vanderbilt and, you know, goes and high-fives a few of the Jazz fans. Um, so on, on a night that could have been extremely boring, which I was having a hard time staying awake that first quarter, uh, Jordan Clarkson seems to bring the crowd alive. And I think that's why so many fans love Jordan Clarkson because he, he just knows how to put on a show. Um, I think really the score tells a story. (laughs) I mean, 125 112 uh for a little bit there it felt like man the the jazz are trying to lose it felt like the clippers were for sure trying to lose and then the jazz just weren't going to have it but i also wanted to hit on this a little bit as well because uh it it at some point it feels a little bit disrespectful that none of these teams players like star players play in utah uh, it seems like a, it's a trend going around the league that their players sit out. Either that's um, they just think that they can beat the Jazz without their star players, or they don't want to play here because the fans. Um, I'll let you guys kind of chime in on that. I know Kevin said uh, um, what Adam Silver got got wind that the Jazz are trying to tank and he's not going to let that happen because he doesn't want us to get the number one seed. So, um, yeah, I'm going to look over stats a little bit. Um, Kevin, I'm going to go – actually, Utah Az, I'm going to go to you first since you requested to speak first. Give us your take and thoughts on the game tonight. Um, I think it was really cool that uh, Will Hardy was really trusting of Jordan Clarkson with four fouls and he just let him keep playing. I really liked that he he proved himself there. Yeah, Clarkson finishes with 33 points. Uh, he finished with only five fouls, luckily. Three turnovers, four rebounds, five assists. So uh, at, at one point in the first half, I mean, he was just coming down and launching him. It was, it was great to see that. So anything else that you saw? And Colin Sexton popping off. That was pretty cool, too. Popping off? Where is Sexton? Let's re- he, he had 21 points, six assists, uh, six turnovers, which isn't the greatest, but uh, that's pretty much, that's, that's pretty common for him. Not six assists, but just him turning the ball over. So uh, looking at the stat sheet, um, 
Oh, hang on. Hardy's Hardy's coming on, so let me switch it over to him real quick. Uh, that's a really well-coached, hard-playing team. Um, they threw a big punch in the second quarter, um, and our guys came out of halftime, you know, with the appropriate energy and focus. Um, did it as a group. I thought, you know, a lot of guys participated tonight. You know, another night was six guys in double-figure scoring. Um, I thought Jared Vanderbilt's energy in the second half, big offensive rebound tip-ins, causing some turnovers. Um, you know, he and Collins' energy sparked us. I thought JC was was really good for us, um, you know, playing through some foul trouble. And, you know, Lowry, Kelly continue to be steady for us, as always. Um, it, was, it was a team win, and uh, I'm really proud of the guys. They've It's been a tough you know, last couple games, and they haven't wavered in their belief and togetherness, and um, nobody's pointed fingers at anybody. They've just taken their own piece of responsibility every day and just tried to get better. So um, looking forward to them taking care of their bodies tomorrow and get back at it on Friday. Coach, was there a reason uh, why you turned the rotation in? In the second half, played seven guys? We were trying to win, and I thought those guys had – Good mojo tonight. Um, you know, it was just a, a feel thing. Nobody necessarily did anything wrong or terrible. It was just I thought that group was playing very well. Um, and I thought it was really important that we come out of tonight with a win. Third quarter, Jordan picks up his fourth foul, and Malik came up off the bench. He was going to come in. I think Jordan is the one that told you, like, I want to stay in. Yeah, you know, those are always moments of conversation between a coach and a player. Um, generally, they want to stay in. I thought Jordan was in a good flow of the game. And so um, when I saw he got his, his foul, my initial reaction was to take him out for a couple of minutes. And he promised me that he was not going to foul again. Um, so, you know, th those are moments where... It's, it's us having a conversation and, um, you know, generally we have a lot of trust in our guys and I, th I think that because of the way that Jordan was playing and he was really in a good flow of the game, um, you know, decided to, to roll with him and it worked out. When it comes to, like, you got JC, for example, plays the entire second half until just the very end. How do you kind of, like, monitor if these guys need a rest, if they need one, don't need one? Like, how do you kind of figure that out? Yeah, if I'm being honest, I told JC to take the timeout seriously because you're not coming out. I said, that's just the way it is. I don't want to hear you're tired. Drink water and rest during the timeouts. <laughs> you're in a really good space right now for us, and we need you. Um, you know, there's obviously always moments um, where we do have to take into account our players' health and well-being and if they are sort of redlining, I guess as they call it, you do have to get them a sub. But um, if there's one thing that I know about Jordan in the short time that I've been around him, he's in unbelievable shape. I feel like he's never really tired. Um, that started in training camp. Like he came into training camp just sort of shot out of a cannon every day and um, never, never complains about fatigue. So... Um, 
again, th those are feel moments. Um, having conversations with the guys about trying to get him a rest. You know, Lowry looked a little bit tired there, so we tried to get him out for a few minutes. Colin asked for a sub, which was denied. Um, it's just the way it is sometimes. Um, they can dig a little deeper um, in some of those moments. And, um, yeah. When did, when did Colin ask for a sub? Colin asked for a sub at some point, six and a half minutes maybe in the fourth. I can't say publicly what I said to him. <laughs> um, I just told him to take the time out seriously, drink some water and electrolytes and take some deep breaths, but you're going back in. Walking Kessler's rim defense tonight, how would you describe what you saw? Another, you know, it, it, it's pretty amazing what Walker's able to do at this stage in his career. Um, we've talked about it a lot, but it can't be overemphasized. His ability to block shots with both hands. Um, a lot of players around the rim, you know, verticality is a big thing in the NBA, and so guys sort of jump straight up and they aren't really looking at anything. And Walker has an unbelievable ability to be straight up and follow the ball with his eyes and then at the end get the ball with whatever hand is on that side. Um, he's really, really good for us in that area. He's getting better and better every day at doing it without fouling, which is an art. Um, sometimes you get tempted to reach in and slap down, and he's picking his moments of when to go try to block the shot and when to just try to make him finish over him. Um, He's been unbelievable for us in that area, and, you know, it, it's something that we're going to continue to need from him. Um, he watches a lot of film. He's learning pick-and-roll defense in the NBA, trying to figure out the right height that he needs to be at, depending on who's coming off the screen so that he doesn't get blown by. Um, but Walker works hard, and he's a very cerebral uh, kid, um, studies the game on both ends of the floor a lot. You went zone a good amount tonight. Why and what did you see from it? Uh, I think they score. I think we ran 23 possessions tonight, and they scored 24 points. Um, that's what I was told by the assistants. It's we had gotten to a point where we need to have something to mix up the rhythm of the game, and we also switched a lot more tonight um, on and off the ball. Uh, we've been switching on the ball, but we have not been switching off the ball. So it was, uh, you know, we we talked to the team pretty candidly just about, hey, we need to have something in our package that we can go to to just change the rhythm of the game. Um, so we've been working on the zone actually for probably about 10 days now. Um, coming into tonight, we had run three possessions of it, and the other team had made a three on every single one of them. So um, my belief wasn't quite there yet. Uh, the assistants did a very good job of continuing to encourage me that that's a very small sample size and that the guys are getting better at understanding it. So we worked on it yesterday in practice, um, and tonight felt like a good night to to really give it a full look. Um, and I thought the guys, for the most part, did a very good job. It, it activates your team from a communication standpoint because it's impossible to play a zone without talking to each other. So um, I thought the guys handled it really, really well. It, it's not easy to change defenses on the fly possession by possession. Um, takes a lot of communication from them, and I thought they did a great job of that. Turnovers seem to come in bunches. Uh, second quarter and night, there were a bunch. Monday night, there was a stretch in the fourth quarter. What's key in those? What do you see? Yeah, I think <clears throat> we we 
can get a little sped up at times. Um, we're trying to play fast and we're trying to move the ball and have multiple people touch it. Um, I do think at, at times we have guys that are, their intent is very good. Like they're trying to make a play to turn the momentum back in our favor. And I think in those moments, we need to just recognize that it's a long game and you don't have to get it all back on one play. Um, because you're right, when, when we have those bunches, it really kills the momentum. Um, it hurts the crowd. It hurts all of us. Um, we just have to do a better job of understanding in those moments, like, hey, we did not just have a good possession. This next possession, we need to slow down just a little bit, make sure our spacing's good, and really try to execute. So, um, you know, that, that happens a little bit when a lot of different people are handling the ball. Um, you know, some teams have one player making them a majority of the decisions, and we have a lot of different guys making decisions. So, um, you know, I can do a better job in those moments, too, of slowing us down and trying to get us into something that's a little more deliberate. Um, but the pace and ball movement has been a big part of our identity. Um, you know, we continue to show film on our spacing and the different reads um, in an attempt to try to cut down some of the, the careless turnovers. Um, but ultimately for me, passing turnovers don't bother me as much as the ones off the dribble. Um, the intent to pass to a teammate is a big part of who we are. Um, sometimes the pass misses the target. Sometimes we're trying to thread the needle a little bit. Um, I think the ones we're really trying to cut down are the ones off the dribble where we're driving into a crowd and a second defender gets their hand on the ball. Um, those are moments where we need to be looking to pass. We've talked a lot about the evolution of Colin, Taylor, Nikhil. What do you want to see more out of Jared or kind of where have you seen progress the last few weeks from him? Jared is um, an energizer for our team. And the beginning from the beginning of the season, that's who he was for us. He would start, it felt like almost every game, by forcing a turnover, getting an offensive rebound. Um, he's somebody that, that helps us win the possession battle in, in those plays. And I think, you know, we've been, Jared's been working a lot on recognizing the situations where he can be a little bit more solid defensively um, because his instinct is to stir it up and to shoot the gap and try to get a steal. And so, there's a fine line there. Um, I don't want to strip Jared of his great instincts for the ball. It's more about just trying to recognize the the couple times a game where he gets himself out of position. You know, early in the season we had the, that conversation about some of his fouling. Um, his intent is good and his instincts are good, but sometimes he gets a little bit um, overzealous in those moments. So, you know, we want Jared to continue to be who he is um, he adds a different dynamic to our team in terms of his ability to help us win the possession game there you go joined by big t thorough bailey calling the game here tonight with craig bowler jack and t this was a fun game and you know one of the things that that i enjoy watching is the energy of various players jordan clarkson for sure but young bull all right guys um so Co-host, I'm going to need some help. My son has woken up again. His name is Stockton, after the one and only John Stockton. Can you say hi? Hi. Say, go Jazz. Go Jazz. Say, I'm a bad boy. I'm a bad boy. 
Get out of my bed. Get out of my bed. And I need milk. I need milk. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that's a bad man. So, I think it was Kevin, JC's drip, and then Calvin for the next speaker. So, I'm just going to set this by the microphone for the podcast, and then uh, I should be back in just a few minutes. Do you remember what I was going to say? I'll let everyone else sound off first. I'll go. Um, I had a bunch of thoughts. I wrote them down. But, I mean, this this win, it was a fun win, right? It's a good game to watch. It's something to look forward to. Um, it's not win of the season by any means, but I think we did a lot of right things. Um, starting off with, of course, JC had a good game. I mean, is there anybody swaggier in the league than Jordan Clarkson? If you guys saw my tweet, he's got diamond fangs and black fingernails and a love tattoo a peace tattoo nobody does it better than jc um especially with the crowd he really gets a crowd going and that's why we love him you know it's a love-hate relationship with a lot of fans he does do a lot of wrong you know stupid turnovers stupid shots but you get a lot of good things out of him um going off of Hardy's um, interview and just Hardy in general. I know we made a couple of mistakes in the last week uh, with the Suns game, coaching decisions, but I think it's a breath of fresh air compared to what we've had in Quinn Snyder for him to trust JC um, and to play the hot hand. I mean, JC had a great game. Beasley was having a terrible game and he benched him and um, he doesn't have a problem benching JC for Beasley either. So it's nice that we have a coach that'll actually play who deserves to be played. Um, I know Armani's in here. He's probably going to say something about marketing needing the ball more because <laughs> he says that every uh, postcast. But that's kind of something that I noticed, too. Marketing definitely does need to have the ball more. I think we should play through him more. Maybe not on a night like tonight where the ball was moving. But um, with as talented and as tall as he is, I think he definitely needs the ball more. If anyone wants to go off of those three or four thoughts. Yeah, I I think we'll just move on to Calvin first, but no, I I, I agree. JC's, uh, well, of course, your name's JC's Drip, so obviously he has a bunch of swagger. So, um, can you guys hear me? Because I'm in my car. Yeah, yeah you're you here, bro. Okay. okay. Um, so, first thing, um, I live in New York, so the post game interviews with Hardy, I really appreciate that because I don't. I don't, I don't have access to be able to hear any of that stuff, so I kind of appreciate that. Um, I don't really have a, a, a whole lot to say because I don't know, you know how much you should take from this game because of how depleted the Clippers were. Um, uh, but to piggyback on the comments about Jordan Clarkson, um, if anybody followed me last year, I hated him. <laughs> I, I wanted him traded. I wanted him gone. And I know there's still a lot of elements and stuff from last year, but he's, in my opinion, he's so much of a better player and a decision maker. I mean, they're all going to make these little mistakes and stuff like that, but I kind of, I appreciate what he brings to this team now. And I don't really have, I don't really have much negative to say about uh, him in that aspect. Um, And then uh, also the comments about Hardy, I'm, I'm wondering if, if that's going to be his coaching style as far as um, going with what's hot, or is it just easier for him to be that type of coach because it's first year? You know, 
you know, after, you know, developing relationships for four or five years with the same players, um, you know, it, it is refreshing to see a, a coach do that. But it, it seems like all coaches end up falling into that unless you're Popovich. And we kind of hope that maybe, you know, he's kind of falls into that same Popovich mind frame where it's not always being loyal to the veterans. It's about loyal to doing what's required to get the W. So that's all I got. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I I really feel like Jason, like Jordan Clarkson. I, I I feel the same way actually about him. When we traded for him, I was like, uh, I mean, I, he was a good pickup for as far as like a sixth man. And I was like, oh man, he just takes way too many shots. He's gonna take shots away from somebody. And I've grown to like him actually. Like this year, I've been super impressed with. And he's been forced into this role, and he's learning how to be, you know, a go-to scorer and learning how to facilitate the ball now that Conley's out. And I, I, I do like him as a second facilitator on, you know, uh, when Conley is in. But now he's like a primary one with Sexton because Sexton's still learning how to do that as well. So, But I was going to pass it on to Kevin if he's thought of anything he'd like to say. No, I, I think what I was going to say earlier was just uh, not important. It was just kind of piggybacking what uh, what um, Jordan was saying. It is a little annoy- annoying that we don't get to see the star players in Utah, that they don't play. And I, I don't know why Utah's the rest place. And I was joking earlier, uh, kind of in the chat, if, you know, kind of on, on Twitter. I know some of you ain't in there, so you didn't see it. But, you know, I, I, I feel like there's like a little collusion in the NBA, uh, Mr. Silver's a little pissed off that he gave Utah a uh, an all-star game and they turned around and traded both their all-stars. And uh, he's trying to stick it to Utah. And I'm totally joking. I don't think it's like that at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing around. But uh, it is it is a little frustrating that we don't get to see the superstars. Uh, with that said, um, I've always loved JC. Um, super frustrated with him last year, obviously. You mean he had that what? 23 game stretch where he just man he couldn't buy a bucket and you know it was it was actually kind of sad just watching him struggle like that and this year he uh he uh he played really well but what I've always loved about JC and 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 I think what I love about him some of the people don't is he's fearless to the point where he will shoot through a slump um he never gives up he never stops working and I know it's annoying to watch him go 0 for 7 or 0 for 8 in a game, but you know the guy is going to put in a, a 110% every time he's on the court, whether the ball goes down or not. So I always appreciate that about JC, uh, whether the ball goes down or not. Like, um, if my kid grows up to play ball, I hope that he plays with that same effort and that same determination because, you know, that's that's what makes a great teammate and a good a good ball player, someone who just never gives up, in my opinion. So I've always appreciated that um, about JC. Yeah, uh, I'm back, guys. So just hearing you talk about JC there at the end, I think he he got some of that mentality from Kobe when he played with him in L.A. Um, I believe him and Kobe had a pretty good relationship, and uh, I think he took a, a lot of what Kobe would do seriously when he was there and learned a lot. So... Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Shoot or shoot, and we were kind of talking about Lowry, Markinen, and can he be a, 
a two? Can he be a three? Like, where's his best position? And honestly, if Jordan Clarkson's on the team, um, he he's more of a one or or a two to me than Lowry is, just because of his mentality and his toughness, and like you said, not being scared to shoot. But um, I wanted to dive in. I don't know if you guys hit on this while I was gone. I wanted to dive in on players that didn't play um, because everybody on the Clippers who dressed tonight and it was uh, able to play played, but there was one person on the jazz that did not play, which is really, yeah, which is really weird. Uh, Is this a message that coaches like trying to fire him up? Did something happen? What's your guys' take on this? Anybody can, can go. It it worked for Walker Kessler tonight. He didn't play (laughs) much of the last game and, Doke got those minutes, and Walker Kessler played a pretty stellar game, I thought. so. Honestly, I don't think anything of it. Like, I think he's shown enough already this season. Like, we know what he is. We know what he's good at. We know what he needs to improve on. Um, I think he's still experimenting, especially with uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. It's been nice to see him um, play well these last couple of games to get into his uh, comfort zone. Um, but essentially, I don't really think it's any you know big deal. I think he's going to get regular minutes in the future. It's just one of those games that he doesn't play. Yeah, it could be as simple as that. You know, we were we were beating them. He gave minutes to these guys that usually don't play. Leandro, Balmero got some minutes. Ochai finally got in, which was nice to see. Uh, Simone Fontecchio was was nice to see him play. I believe he had nine minutes in the first half and then finished with the the. Um, ending group but uh i thought it was interesting i saw a a shot of tht kind of looking over at the coach uh like what's going on uh so it'll it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds um i'm not sure did we get to everybody speakers wise down yeah we have some but uh, requesting i i don't know if oh yeah <laughs> yeah i i messaged you so um I don't know if Colin or Armani want to talk. Let's go. Whoever wants to here, I'm going to request and then whoever wants to go, just, just speak up. Don't be shy. Oh, so, um, I actually just had a question really quick. Um, so as far as the young guys getting minutes, I think that's great. Um, I think it's really awesome. I think THT is kind of, I don't know. I don't think he's ever going to be, a lot lot of the people think he's going to be like all-star potential. I really don't. Um, I think he's going to be a role player, a solid role player his whole career. Um, I know he's young. Um, and all that, but I think he's going to be a solid role player his whole career. Um, but as far as winning goes, um, we have three picks in this upcoming draft, and I know we're probably going to trade at least one of them. But as far like, so you see Laurie averaging like twenty two points. He. I don't think he's ever going to be a number one guy. Um, I think he is 
he is what he is at this point. He is still fairly young, but I think he's he he'll be a number three guy, number two guy going forward on a championship team. But um, I think like what happens like so with this Minnesota pick and because they're not doing well in any way, shape, or form. This Rudy trade is working out for us spectacularly. Um, but then if our, if we start losing games, what happens once we get to the point of, you know, maybe having, you know, two picks in this draft that are, that is supposedly 25 players deep and, you know, like that's kind of what I'm holding on to as far as us coming back down to earth, as far as like losing five in a row and then we win this one. Um, but then we get two players in this, like maybe two players in this upcoming draft that is supposed to be 25 players deep. Like what do you guys think about that? Yeah. So um, I, I think we're in a good spot because Really, with Danny Ainge, you don't know what he's going to pull off in the offseason. Uh, and the more that we lose, it kind of feels like nobody's untouchable. I, I agree with you as far as Lowry not being a number one. But he could be a really nice piece um, on a contending team just because he's he's very unique in his size and what he's able to do as far as stretch the floor and hit the three-pointer. Um, but then he gives you a big body on defense and some length to clog up the passing lanes. So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I think there's a possibility we get three picks, depending on where everything shakes out. Um, there's a possibility, like you said, we get two picks and trade one away and then maybe trade a few current players that we have and get a, a nice piece with a... Um, draft pick and current players that we have as far as THT um, it's interesting because he's he's had some really great games this season and so the not playing kind of threw me off um, especially like when Collins you know in coach's interview Colin Sexton is asking for a break and he doesn't even want to put THT in because he believes Sexton is better um, for that part of the game or, or what's happening in the game. Um, I don't feel that THT has been terrible by any means. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting and it. And like you guys said, it could totally be nothing, but I, with the way that he handled Walker Kessler and now THT, it, it might be something or, or like a tactic that coach uses to get the player's attention on, what he's trying to say in practice, or maybe he's just trying to get them to run a certain play different and they're, they're not listening. So I think for the most part, all these players respond pretty well to coach and seem to have a good relationship. Um, well, I don't think, I don't think THT is going to be like a bad player by any means. I just think that he is what he is. I think he is kind of like a Jordan Clarkson where he will throw up 20 points at some point during the season. Like, you know, he'll throw up 20 points, 25 points, 
you know, go off for 30 points one game, two games a season. But I don't think he is that's, – that's what I think he is. He's a, uh, he's a role player. Um, and Laurie, Laurie is, yeah, a second or third option on a championship team. I think – I really think we are going to extend him at the uh, – when he – when we can, I think we're going to extend him to a decent contract – so that we keep him because he's a seven footer that can just shoot the three beyond belief. Like he's a fantastic player. He's way better than what all of us thought he could have been when we got him in the Donovan trade. Like, and Colin Sexton, I truly think he could be a second option on a championship team. I think He's coming back from a horrific injury, and once he gets his feet underneath him, he's going to average 20 points. Yeah, that's another one that we didn't even mention. Sexton has the, the mentality, too, to be a, a one or a two. Well, that's, that's why they call him the young bull, because he, he can average 20 points. And for his size, he can just attack the rim. He can attack the rim. He's coming off a horrific injury, so he's weird about it now. But give it half the season. Give it to the trade deadline. He's going to be back to where he was last season. Yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed watching him and John Wall kind of go back and forth at each other, especially on the fast break. It was fun to watch him try and keep up with John Wall. No, it is. and uh, But... So I think Danny Ainge did a very good job at just giving a solid foundation. But the moment we have in this coming draft, because we can kind of trade up wherever we want to go in this draft. Yeah. And this, and it's, it's they, supposed they, to be a very good draft. They've already pretty most, – most people have talked about that there's not going to be any trading up in the draft. I yeah, mean – I completely agree. There's not going to be any trading that this draft is way too strong for anybody to move down for anything less than three first, which is a way overpay. Yeah. And really only Utah and, and Oklahoma city and maybe San Antonio could really compete for that. And you already got to think that San Antonio and Oklahoma city are already going to be probably lower, you know, in the, in the draft aspect for that. So I, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of trading up. In, in this draft I think this, there could be with how many with how many draft picks we have in the future where but, but Danny, have, you, have you seen how like uh, like do you guys watch a lot of James Hansen stuff or anything like that I, I, I mean the only the only reason why I also question would Danny Ainge even do that because Danny Ainge has already come out and said that even the 2024 draft looks like it might even be deeper than this draft. You know? Danny Ainge has never overpaid in a trade in his life, and he's not going to start right. now. And, right. and and I honestly, I've been saying this for weeks, I think Danny is going to trade out of this year's draft to pick up 24 picks instead. I don't think so. I, I, I wouldn't even be surprised. For Lowry, I mean, it depends on what, what, what happens, because I just, I mean... Danny Ainge, I, we can speculate, but I think he he just has a wealth of stuff. Nobody's untouchable on this roster. I mean, 
I mean, I, I just don't. If if he gets a deal, whether it's getting more picks or this, nobody on this current existing roster, even as well as Lowry is playing, he's averaging 22 points a game. That's like 25th in the league. I mean, that's how much talent is in this league right now. And if Danny can trade Lowry to get somebody for more or anybody, I wouldn't even be surprised what he would do that. It's just like we just gotta sit back and watch the maestro work, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like uh, even then, it's like if we can come away from this coming draft with a package like the Thompson twins, man. Yeah, if you could grab both of them, imagine that. That'd be it, like the Marcus Morris twins. The, the, the problem Better is, than the Marcus Morris twins. Or just the Morris it's twins, like not the Marcus. Those two, 2.0. Yeah. But can I, can I, I want to touch back and respond to. We all know that Marcus is Marquise's daddy anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think. The, I think the thing about it is that, like, I remember when, and, and I think. Um, you, you, somebody posted in here, but um, with Hardy, it's like it's not necessarily about results driven, but doing what he wants to happen. So when Colin Sexton was playing like crap and not doing what he wanted to do and it's not about you, et cetera, all of that stuff. He responded, and Colin Sexton has played a lot better since then. I think the problem with THT is he's just, he's all over the place. Like one minute he could be this guy, and the next minute he's this other guy. And what's going to keep him from being what everybody has seen as his potential, like LeBron or whoever you want to name, he has the potential. And we can't forget, he might look old, but he's 21 years old. (laughs) Yeah, he does look old. (laughs) When you look at the package, he can drive, he can shoot sometimes when he takes the right shots, he can pass, he can defend. He has it all, but he doesn't put it all together every day. If he puts it all together every day, He's a very good all-star level player, but he well, never does that every he's day. He's a 23-year-old kid. 21. Right. 22, you guys forgot he had a birthday. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he did have a birthday just yeah. barely. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's in his Lord, early Me 20s. and Hardy were at his birthday party. Come on, guys. <laughs> I told you about it. He's in his early 20s. Like, right. the, he could, he has wind, it, but he could yeah. wind up as like a... He really, I, okay, so where where I said I think he's a role player, I think he is like a, do you, do you guys remember how Rashawn Rondo was in his prime? Yeah, he, he was a starting point guard for the Celtics, though, when they won. Yeah, I know, that's what I'm saying, is that I, I think that that's his ceiling. I think that's his ceiling is like a Rashawn Rondo I'll take, I'll take that. Yeah, I would too. I'll take it. Well, so like it's it's funny when we talk about this because I feel like we almost had the same conversation with Colin Sexton not too long ago, um, and so like it's hard to say with these young guys that you know I think they're all that they can be already because like. Every, the, the entire league thought Lowry was all he could be, and now he's, 
you know, getting the opportunity to show them what he can be. And so I think with a lot of these young guys, we just ha- we have to have patience because one, they could turn out to be a lot more than we thought. The the upside with THT for me is he's so young, he's 22, and he he's the only one on this roster that's actually won a championship with the Lakers. Uh, take for that for what it's worth. He he played minutes um, in those playoff series that were impactful. And I think that that experience is huge and could pay off in the long run. But, um, the, the, the fact is that most of these players might not ever be here anyways, depending on what happens this off season or, uh, next off season or or whatever. So, um, I I think it's natural as jazz fans to just want to win it. I mean, that's part of being a fan. It's fun to cheer and get excited. Um, but yeah, it's and to hit on Calvin's point a little bit more, like Coach Hardy is really getting on players for not doing what he wants, and I think he's smart in doing that because he's trying to build the culture that he wants and how he wants the team ran. And uh, if you're not falling in line, like you know, we've got plenty of options. We can ship you somewhere else, or. Uh, we can just not play you like we did with THT tonight. So uh, I, I think I think Laurie will be here no matter what. I'm not going to lie. I, I really do. <laughs> I think he would be a great piece, but I, I mean, if if the right deal comes along, I don't know. I I, I think Laurie will be here. I think Laurie will be gotta... here as the maybe the second or third piece when is to this like, trans- championship puzzle. You 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 gotta wonder when his contract is, and then it depends on how when he wants to get paid. If Danny Ainge drafts really well, and he, you know, I mean, and they have like a really good rookie season or whatever or whatnot. Yeah, then you're getting players for less money. Exactly, and he's gonna let them walk. You know, so. But you 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 have to realize is that like we can sign Larry to. A big contract if he throws up 30 points a game this season it which is or thir- 25 to 30 points a game yeah but which, which is what he's going to um and then we can then we have control of a lot of these rookies that like might come into the league and average 20 points a league like donovan did and but let's just say, yeah. like, let's just say everything falls in place, and somehow we get Wemby, and and then we want to give the money to Wemby. Like, I don't think that they're going to want to sign anybody to a big contract just yet, just because we we control like the next five years of draft picks. We have so we have fifteen draft picks. Here's, but with Wemby, with Wemby, we have we have control of him on a really team on like a really club fem, like friendly contract. Yeah, but what if you have? But what if you have three, four really good rookies that come out of these next two drafts or what? Yeah, we could draft three next year. Then you can trade them for very good players to help to help (laughs) build the like the championship team. Here's my here's my thing with Laurie, like, and we're seeing it right now. He he does like he He goes in the first half in yesterday's game and scores almost 30 points, and in the second half comes out and doesn't demand the ball. In Chicago and Cleveland, we saw him get lost in trees with number ones and number twos. I, that, that's my thing. Is like 
we go out and we bring in a number one or a number two, he he gets lost. He's just going to disappear. Yeah, I you think know, part of that this money. You, you, you know, that, that's what happens though when you have a closer. We don't we don't have a closer. But why are we going to pay him that much money to not be a closer? Like, why are we talking about giving him the guy money who's not going to do that for us when we can move him right now when he's at an all time value? Well, I, I think when you have somebody that puts up 25 points a game and and then you have a closer on a rookie contract. We do have him on the books till the 2024 season. Sweet. Yeah, 2025. So I, well, I do think with. They're going to have to look at extending him next year. Yeah. If, if, yeah, if that's going to happen. With Lowry, you, though. You have, you have the flexibility to like have him for a minute. And then extend him, and then you. But you also still have the flexibility to have somebody that puts up thirty points a game on a rookie contract. What if What if Danny Ainge was able to get like five first round draft picks for twenty twenty four for Lowry? I mean, well, that ain't gonna happen. I know, but I'm saying that's what I'm saying is like if something comes along, like why get so attached to Lowry? Like, yeah, he's a great player. Um, the the one thing that I think he gets tired with right now is we don't have a true center playing against other true centers. A lot of time he's matching up with them, banging down low, and and he gets tired because he's having to play defense on a bigger guy most of the game. But, I mean, I, I think he could continue to develop. The thing I don't see with Lowry, though, is just getting a killer mentality. Like, he doesn't have that. Okay, so okay, so if you if you're going that direction with it, re- like just just humor me, okay? Just humor me, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm not like just humor me. So Minnesota sucks, right? Minnesota uh, Towns got injured. Let's just say he continues getting injured for the rest of the year. You get a really solid pick from Minnesota, boom, you get some someone like Scoot Henderson, you get like a one of the Thompson twins or somebody that's Anthony Black averaging <laughs> twenty five points a game. So you get them on a rookie contract. And then you get somebody like or like with our pick, because I don't think we're gonna want we, we could wind up in the lottery with the way we're losing right now. But if we decide to win again, we get somebody like Kellel Ware, where like from Oregon, who is fantastic, and boom, your center problem is solved. You get somebody like you win in the lottery. Get somebody like Scoot Henderson. A lot of your a lot of your stuff is solved from that point on. Yeah, I think we're in a position right now as an organization. There's so many different variables and angles to take that, uh, I mean, nobody knows. No, none, no fan knows what's going to happen with this team. Uh, that's why it's, you know, people's predictions are literally all over the place because we're still trying to figure out if we're trying to win or tank. I mean, I mean, right now as it stands, we're if if it was if we were to draft right now, we'd be getting two lottery picks, and and one right outside the lottery uh, because Brooklyn is not doing well at all themselves. So I mean, I just 
I mean, there's just like a, I mean, the thing that I have a problem with, with Lowry is like, he puts up 22 points a game or whatever. Somebody's going to pay him $30 million. I don't want the Utah Jazz to pay him $30 million. I, agree. I don't want the Utah Jazz to pay anybody $30 million, but somebody's going to pay that. But See, yeah. my thing is that, like, I don't have a problem with them paying Laurie big money if they have two decent players playing on a rookie contract. Like, playing on a rookie contract, putting up big numbers. Once they have not two people putting up, like, big numbers... You know what I mean? Like, once they, if they bust on two picks, then yeah, I'll have a problem with it. What but a right now, I don't have the, I don't have a problem. With does it. anybody know what uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's contracts are? And then you got, well, I would guess Marcus Smart's is pretty high. Like, that's something that could realistically happen here in Utah. You've got two players that are paid high, and then you got other pieces. But does anybody know what their contracts are? Yeah. Tatum is on the books to like he has a player option in 25-26. And then Jalen Browns is up at the end of next season. What do they you get him? You have to take into contract of how far the And they're both at 30. You you guys have to take into to consideration how far the cap goes up as the league makes more money. No, I mean there is inflation. I just I just don't see Laurie being a twenty and ten guy when there's two other players on the team that are thirty pointer guys. Like I do. I just don't I don't think that's him. He couldn't do it in Chicago. He couldn't do it in Cleveland. And he can't even do it here. Like But under Will Hardy, I think he really has a chance to do it. That's yeah, I, I think it could go I think it could go either way because it's it's like if the right trade or something comes along, then he's tradable, but I, I agree with you Especially that he because I think he's done more over twenty games, like over twenty points a game. Yeah, he's a he's a mobile seven footer that can shoot, and uh, it's rare. Um, so, like he he does have a certain skill set that I think is hard to find. So, yeah, I think I, I honestly think it could go either way um, with Lowry. I'd be I'd be fine seeing him compete with us and try and win a championship as second or third, probably the third option offensively. Um, and then having a few other pieces around him, it, a lot of it's going to depend on who we draft. But L- Lowry's numbers as a third option aren't going to be anywhere near what they are now. And yeah. I'm trying to say, like, I, right. I want to say, I also want to say that I'm not as high on Lowry as I am, as other people are like, especially when he was going off, I mean, he's still going off. He's still playing pretty well, but he's our number one. He's the number one option on a okay team. That's so far. I mean, they're they've been okay. They're five hundred. I mean, you can say whether they've been great or haven't been great. There's been a lot of people arguing about that, but I don't think his ceiling is that much higher than um, what he's playing at right now. And I might really eat my words for that. I might really eat my words <laughs> for that, but that's what I truly believe because he is right now. Well, that would be a lovely thing. Yeah, right I now he's, be- he's in the best team. environment for himself, and he's thriving. But that's this is the best environment for him right now. Being the number well, one. I would even argue that he's like, second option on this team. I think probably Clarkson is the first option as yeah, far as scoring goes. 
option. Uh, and then you got Lowry, but even if Lowry becomes a third option, it takes a little bit of it, it takes a little bit of pressure off of Lowry if he if he doesn't have to be the second or first option and he might be able to be more effective. I mean, he's shooting tonight he shot 63% from the field, 57% from the three, 100% from the the free throw line and then nine rebounds, two assists. I I mean, I just think he's a useful piece that uh, we don't know how good he could be with some other great scorers around him, like a first and second option in front of him. Could you imagine Laurie as like, oh, sh- oh no, we have, to, we have to guard this person and we have to guard this person. Could you imagine Laurie as the third option? Well, yeah, because like that game winner... That game winner that he had against Phoenix where he turned around over Devin Booker and just, you know, wasn't affected by the two, the double team on him. I mean, it, there's times where like that, that it's like, holy crap, this guy could be really good. I guess one of the things when it comes to Lowry that I also look at is when you look at Jordan Clarkson, this is somebody who are any ones or twos in a league you look at. A, a majority or at least half of their shots are being created on their own, whether it's driving, penetrating, etc. A lot of Laurie Markkinen's scoring comes from somebody passing a ball to him and he shoots it because yeah. he's wide open or whatever. How many of the shots is he actually making by creating on his own? And it's not as, it's not as much as you would think from most of the people that show up on that list as dominant scorers throughout the league so that's another reason why i question because a lot of his shot creations are not created himself they're being created by others getting him the ball and he's wide open etc and stuff like that well it's also could you imagine if will hardy had more options to go to offensively I mean, but if he had more options to go offensively, then that means that you have a lot more people, so that scoring is going to go down. Like, this is the opportunity that he would have to be able to score 25-30. If he can't score 25-30 in this lineup, it's not going to happen. No, I really don't think so. I think that Laurie has to score himself. I think he has to score himself quite a bit. And I think if you had one or two more create create their own shot guys here where Jordan Clarkson yeah he, he you like you can you can argue that he's the first option I don't think so I think Laurie's the first option um but you can argue that but you, if there were people on this team that were better at that than Jordan Clarkson then I think things open up for Laurie you just kick it out to Lori, boom, sinks a three. He would shoot forty-eight percent from three-point range. Yeah, it's. I I think they both score in different ways. Like you look at Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Like Clay Thompson's moving off the ball a lot of the time, not dribbling. Uh, I think Lowry's really good at picking his spots and knows where to be on the floor, and that's how he gets pa- open passes and and is able to take the right shots. One thing. And obviously Clarkson can create his own shot off the dribble. But one thing that I've noticed with Lowry's game that he just, as a seven-footer and his size, is not able to do is his post-game 
is just not there. Like he he had Terrence Mann on him tonight, and he couldn't even get him on the low block, whether push him higher or or lower. Like I don't know if he understands how to do that. But if he was able to have a like a coach coach him on how to post up and really make that effective, then yeah, I could see him being a number one because if you can go inside and post up as a seven footer and score on mismatches or then if a bigger guy's on you and go outside and shoot, I mean, he could be extremely deadly if he, if he learned how to do. Terrence Mann is also a very, very defender. So, so I, I, my question would be, um, first of all, look into what didn't work with him in the Cavs because he wasn't performing that well with the Cavs. Cause if, when you look at it, if the jazz draft well and get, you know, they have Kessler, which is a good upcoming center. We get a good, guard maybe in the draft um best case scenario we're looking like the Cavs were last year i think that's a, a pretty good future with the Cavs were last year you know a young team i think they barely missed the playoffs um when they were all really young and then they saw Lori as a piece in a mental trade that wasn't even like yeah the main piece for for age was the picks yeah Lori was just a, a cast aside so i mean I think they could even got the trade away somehow without him if they really, really wanted to. That makes you wonder if we got young players that kind of stole the spotlight from Laurie in that kind of way, if he would kind of regress to what he was with the Cavs. Like, again, like, I just, I don't really know what went wrong for him there, but I mean, that just, it makes me worried that there was a place where he wasn't performing around a lot of other young guys. There wasn't even like strong, like huge veterans on the team that were dropping crazy amount of points. So, well, and I believe they drafted another big guy. Um, I can't think of his name right now. So it, it's a good point, though. Mobley. Be, yeah, Mobley. Um, it is a good point, though, that you bring up because it's like, yeah, the, the Cavs were there and they traded for one more piece. And now people are saying that, you know, they're the favorites out east. Personally, I don't think they even compare no to Milwaukee or Boston. But, I mean... That's not what everybody else is saying. So we just love Donovan Flash, man. They're a solid three out there. That's about yeah. Agreed. Agreed. That's, That's what I mean. think too. But I think, I think we should have the biggest Lowry apologists uh, give his take on Lowry. Uh, Armani. <laughs> Armani. <laughs> you know, you can you can throw everything at Lowry apologists, but I think he's learning from Will Hardy. I think Will Hardy. Will Hardy doesn't get enough credit for what he's currently doing. Yeah, I know. He's yeah, he he is doing a lot. He isn't he is a basketball genius. Like I don't think a lot of us really realize that a lot of us think that Quinn was a basketball genius, and I, I think he was the hell no. <laughs> Not no, even close. No, 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 Wait, 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 wait. Will Hardy. Will Hardy is a, with two of the best bench players and three all-stars. Will Hardy is a coach. Will Hardy is a he is 
a basketball coach. I think we have in what the Spurs had in a young Popovich. I really do. Yeah, I I think uh, as far as like Quinn Center, like he was a great coach. He was a great. He he got the Jazz to the number one seed, but he just got eaten alive in the playoffs. So it's like, yeah, yeah, he could be. Go ahead. Quinn struggled with the same thing Sloan struggled with, with the same thing that a lot of coaches struggle with, except for um, Popovich's. They they get a system that works, and they don't find a way to switch it. Yeah, and the adjustment. Quinn's system worked, you know, 15 years ago when he learned it. It doesn't well, work in the, in the regular season. In the regular season. Well, yeah, it, it, but it, it didn't even... Yeah, it worked in the regular season, but like he, he just didn't make adjustments. He didn't switch his defense. Yeah, and come playoffs, come playoffs when you have to play seven games against the same coach, you realize ah, uh, this is what I got to do to get rid of it. And well, and part of being part of being a great coach though is having great players. Like Popovich is a great coach because he had some of the greatest players with Duncan, uh, Ginobili, Parker. So. Yeah, we might have a genius of a coach, but if we don't get the right players and he gets to the playoffs and doesn't win us a, a playoff series like Snyder did, then they they sit in the same boat. Well, I mean, I don't think that's true. I think there's one here. I think that uh, I think that if if I think Popovich had Duncan and all those guys, and don't get me wrong, Popovich is a fantastic coach. But I think a lot of coaches in the league would it's, – it's the Belichick thing where, bro, you had Brady. And, <laughs> and I, I think that if Jerry Sloan had Duncan and those guys, he would have won championships. Uh, okay, so I'm going to push back on one thing with the San Antonio thing. He had Tim Duncan, but what about the last championship that they won? That wasn't a dominant – Tim Duncan. That wasn't, you know, it was a, a, a an experienced team. The one with Kawhi past, Leonard. But they were old. Yeah. No, that was Kawhi Leonard, and then he had the safety net of Duncan and yeah, those had guys Kawhi Leonard and all the that, vets that, 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 that team reminded won. that team reminded me more of the Detroit Pistons as they played as a team because nobody. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, he was great defensively, and he scored, but he wasn't scoring 29, 30 points a game. Yeah, but that's not what that team needed. They already had had pieces. But but it was a completely different offense than what he won with. with Yeah, that is true. Like, he totally changed it up with the players that he had. But you had the defense of Kawhi Leonard. That's the thing, is that you had the defense of Kawhi Leonard. Okay, was he was was Kawhi Leonard a, a lottery pick or anything like that? No, he wasn't a, okay, he wasn't so a lottery he, pick. But you can't. So, I mean, it's you really say, can't. Okay, what, like, what type that's of the thing is that you you really can't do that. Like, you you can't. Yeah, there's been a lot of great players that aren't lottery yeah, picks. You really can't no, 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 just no, like be like, ah, oh, shit. It was it was a lottery pick. You know what I mean? It wasn't a lottery no, pick. No, 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 no. Giannis no, wasn't a lottery you're, pick. You're, that is not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying how much of the percentage of the development of Popovich's coaching style, etc. You know. That, it almost sounds like somebody's trying to take take away what Popovich did. I, 
I mean, no, no, I think he's a great coach. I would have developed is what he was under a lot of coaches. I mean, look at what he's doing. With, I mean, he's literally got a G League team winning winning he games in the NBA. A, like, <laughs> he is an injured mess, dude. <laughs> no, no, he's talking about Popovich with uh, the Spurs. <laughs> Like like, I mean, <laughs> they've come back down. They they've come back down to earth like we have. Yeah. No, but but they have. We have way more talent than they do. I mean that that so team is utter garbage. Like <laughs> utter garbage. Like Popovich has been doing this for twenty five years, dude. Over twenty five years. He's a good coach. I mean, they, I mean, I think there's a reason why he has a name that he has, and I don't think it's all because of. Yeah, but it's it's you know? also the, like the Belichick thing where you. You, you have these fantastic players that just do their thing for ages. Hey, guys, let me get to comments real quick. We've, we have about 14. A lot of them are Armani. Uh, he hasn't requested to speak, so hang tight. Um, Armani says, my measuring stick for any young player is by year six. That's where you can actually see their true potential. Uh, nobody will know is or isn't a number one if they're not shooting at least 18 field goal attempts. Armani's a, Armani is big on Lowry, and he always says, get Lowry the damn ball. Uh, tonight he had, I mean, he, he's so efficient to me, though. It's like you, like 11 field goal attempts, three or seven three-point attempts, and he scores 23. I mean, he, he's just super efficient. So I don't even know if it's that he needs more shots. Um I wonder if he did get, let's say, in between twenty to thirty attempts a game, if he'd be able to to be like a forty, thirty, forty point guy a night. Is this somebody that's in the NBA? Who? Who? Armani. Or, or, or oh no, Armani. Armani is just on the. Uh, he's on the space with us. Um, he also says, I don't think anyone understands that Lowry is an elite off-the-ball player. That's hard to just give up as a cornerstone. Yeah, I agree that he's he's good off the ball. Simone needs 12 minutes per game just to bridge the rotation. Sexton, that <laughs> Sexton is who I thought Eric Bledsoe would be. Uh, I don't think so. I think he's better than Eric Bledsoe. He also says, other players deserve to get more minutes over THT, in my opinion. And then Utah Az says... From playing just 10 games last year to now, he's doing excellent. Uh, I don't know who you're talking about. I think that's Colin Sexton. Okay. Oh, yeah, probably. And then he also continues to say, Coach rested THT for load management. Oh, wait, LeBron's not on our team. And no national televised games. Chick-fil-A, baby. And then Sandy. That's on us for not making the, the trade with the Knicks. Sandy says, I don't think she's in here anymore. It seems like it. Or Clarkson and Hardy are best friends. Hardy will trust JC with anything. It seems like it, so maybe JC stays. I mean, the Jazz have come out and said that JC is untouchable. I don't know if I believe that. I think. I don't believe that at all. I think right now, maybe in the current condition, he's the one. Uh, he's like the face of the franchise, I guess you could say, just because he's he's been with the team last year and, and fans seem to gravitate towards him. But I don't feel like he's untouchable. No, I don't I don't think so. I think I think the moment you offer him you offer a first round pick for Clarkson, it's gone. He's gone. Uh, first round pick ain't enough. That a first yeah, round I don't pick think so is either. not enough. Yeah, it's but, gonna be a first and a player. 
Yeah, but if you could get Conley off the books and Rudy Gay off the books or some of these other vets, Olenek off the books. Corson's also making like $14 million a year. He's gone. I do question. I do question if he'll get rid of Olenek because Danny Ainge, at the end of the day, Olenek is his pick. And I think. Nah, I mean, I, I think he's gone. Well, if you can get a first round pick for Olenek, he's gone. Yeah, too. I would say Olenek's out I mean, just because of his age. <laughs> well, let's just say the Washington Wizards or the New York Knicks offer up a first round pick. They feel like they're a Jordan Clarkson away from making the playoffs. You don't okay, take their Lakers, too. Yeah. What if, what, if, what if Atlanta comes with a first round pick and Collins for Laurie Markinen? I bet you he would do that. Ooh. I don't think so. I think I think I think I think Markinen is more of an efficient player than Collins is. Mm, he, career-wise, they're not. I don't Collins, even think Collins it, is, is Collins, Collins is younger player. than Laurie Markinen. Yeah, I believe so. Or maybe about the same so. age. Man, I think they're Collins. The same age. Collins is sixty-four percent true shooting in his career. He's very efficient. If he if he comes with a first-round pick. And John Collins. The same age. I think Laurie Markkinen's gone. Yeah, they're probably about but. the same age. Well, there, there's been rumblings that uh, all the other teams that have been talking to Atlanta for John Collins is quieted down, and we're still the only team um, that they basically they want Lowry for Collins, which it's like there's no way that that, that's going to happen. Never. You guys know we have just about as many first round picks as OKC does in the next like three drafts, right? The same for yeah. Both have 15 first-round picks. And I'm sure Atlanta would ours, like Ours aren't that. in the next three drafts. Ours are spread out over five years. They've got seven picks in the next two drafts. Hey, guys, two my wife my wife years. just walked in, and she wants to be on the podcast, so hang on. <laughs> Give them your take. What was it like in the, in the arena? Hey. <laughs> what was it like in the arena tonight? Uh, it was a little rough at first, but, dude, it was... It was crazy at the end, <laughs> especially when they hit when we got all that free Chick Fil A shoot. Yeah, Chick Fil A was the craziest thing that happened tonight. Utah freaking loves Chick Fil A. Everyone was. I sent you a video of it. How loud the arena got. <laughs> it was so funny. They got so loud. All right. Well, uh, that's my cue to get off of the podcast. I'll see you guys again Friday. Yeah, boy. Um, if you're in America listening to this, we are slowly. Losing our listenership to Finland. They, I just checked the analytics today, and we have a lot of listeners in Finland, uh, which makes sense with Lowry. But uh, come on, U.S., like, let's go. It's the World Cup right now. Um, yeah, Finland didn't even make it, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> we got nothing else to listen That's to. All they got. <laughs> well, we, we, we take some Finnish people here on the podcast. They I know. Out. I've got one guy that comments on quite a few Twitter posts so hopefully he joins us but it's probably the the time difference um but anyways i appreciate you guys for listening wherever you're at and uh the jazz finally break the losing streak to win one against the c team uh la clippers and we'll see what happens we'll see next game if tht gets to play or not Um, the ontario clippers the ontario clippers so we'll see you guys next time i appreciate it peace peace out Bye.